This is Pamela like a Ghost, and we're talking about the song Hey Mata. Now, this song uh, is a kind of a strange song, uh, and it's interesting. It's um, one of our favorite guests that we talked to, Jen Eagle uh, from Denmark, who is um, an awesome electronic musician and model. Uh, this was one of the best type songs ever, and it's kind of interesting. Uh, it's, it's typically what we always do. But there's a couple of little different flavors. Like we 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 changed um, the way we record on our Zoom to do like a lo-fi recording, and then we used a big crush on our vocal, uh, and then we also brought the Phantom in on a vocal, and we we were heavily uh, playing with the, the ability of our Juno GI to be affected by the MX1 performance mixer. And in addition, uh, what's interesting is we use the sampling update on the OP set for Teenage Engineering. So what's going on with this is that we're using a digital synth, like a PTM synth on the Juno GI, to do guitar type sounds, run through heavy, uh, big question digital delays. On top of that, we've got a sample from an OP set of our voice uh, that we used in a different song. And then we've got the analog uh, sounds of a Moog Mother 32 and a DFAM uh, run into a make noise uh, math utility module, which allows you to do kind of time shifting, uh, LFO processing, delay processing, uh, and uh, act like an oscillator and do all kinds of like. Uh, what Sonic Saber say, play the filter. So a lot of this stuff we like doing with these hardware sets is we get these really heavy tones off the mode. We can run our, our um, Juno through the, the, the MX-1 performance mixer, which gives the, the sound a lot of heft. So if you take a PCM sound and you run it through a digital way or a bit brush, and then you run it into a Dumar 24, we're doing a lot of sound sculpting before we even get to a DAW. We don't really, the only kind of DAW thing we do, we use like a beautiful audio uh, as an as a, as a audio uh, mastering tool. But in this particular track, we actually use Land Origin. Uh, the beautiful audio, for some reason, the song was too long for it to, to crunch it. You know, maybe it was too complicated and too many layers. Because uh, we did layer up to six overdubs on this track on our Zoom. The file was like a bigger file in the waveform than what normally I process on beautiful audio. With Landar, was able to handle uh, But then again, like at the Zoomar 24, uh, we used like uh, an AM radio mastering set that gives this kind of weird, uh, kind of low, a very lo fi sound to what we do. And we, we like to do uh, one of the advantages of, of using a Zoomar 24 versus dies we don't get stuck on a rail um within like the digital audio workstation might try to make us you know pitch correct timing correct quantize we're able to kind of freeform you know like jam band jazz style punk aesthetic recording which allows you to be a little looser in your composition but more you know, innovative and more experimental because you don't have to be stuck within the constraints 
of, of a system that's trying to, to me, a lot of times dogs are trying to make you generate a hit, which is cool. You're trying to create something that a lot of people will like. But I like to write music with what I feel and what I what, what I want to convey as a sound painting or an experience. And that, you know, sometimes I will click with an audience and become a bigger song. Um, like the song we have uh, on Mojo Head Records, he still has some personal demons to portray. It's probably our, our strongest um, song right now, and it was a collaboration, and it was heavily modified um, as a co-collaboration with Mojo Heads in their talk. But it was originally recorded on Moat, you know, Moat DTAM and a Moat Mother 32 at a Juno rolling synth. And it was, you know, that, that was a pure analog song. The original song was six minutes long. The release song is like two and a half minutes long. So, you know, there's something to be said for what the original song was, but, you know, having uh, professional producers and a record label actually take a, take my content and adjust it and make it more popular, I can understand that. But this, this song here is more of what I like to do because I like to personally master and mix and do all the stuff which people would say well you know you shouldn't do that we we do uh use uh bentley engineering to, to actually do the final master on all of our songs so it is done but they don't really manipulate anything i do other than make it sound better so it doesn't it's not a collaboration in terms of the structure of the song it's more of a refinement of what i give them so i believe uh this is a really pristine example of an expansive sound, uh, sound painting, what we're trying, what we're trying to convey with uh, the ghost. Now, the other thing I like to talk about again is, is all the hate that we get from the analog fanboys of Behringer. Anytime Roland does something, it's not pure analog sense. And I think sometimes they don't understand the product they're bitching about. And I'm talking about the Jupiter XM and the Jupiter X. Now, if you look at these two machines, you know, they're all your Roland fanboy. But what I do today is I use a Roland JDXI because it has the four parts, the digital, two digital parts, an analog part, and a drum machine. And then you can say it has a fifth part and it has a voice part. Fan Like the Ghost was created because the JDXI allowed me to take a bunch of um, supernatural sounds, analog sounds. And then what I did is I extended the capability of the machine. The JDXI sequencer can't really go that far, so maybe do four bars. So I brought it into a, into an Arturia B-Step Pro. And when the B-Step Pro updated their, 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 their all has to be able to chain patterns, the ghost became, you know, what, what we are. I mean, the original ghost songs that we did on something wicked, Indigo Menace, and Sanctesia, Neo Soul Surrender, were structured on using the JDXI to provide the vocal for, you know, Josephine Electric, do the drums, do all the drum machines located that were in that machine, like 808, 727, and then use analog parts and the digital parts to create those songs. And it was, it's a very useful machine. I've used it on stage. It's very dead reliable. Now, my Moog is great, but it can't do those things as in terms of actually creating the song. So if you're a songwriter 
and you're not just doing bleach and bops on an analog synth. Uh, you kind of need a digital synth to do the things you can't do through analog. Uh, you need a piano, you need strings, you need, uh, you know, pads that can be deep pads, you know, with like maybe 256 voice polyphony. You need that to be able to structure the song. And then I'll bring my modes and my Arturias to do maybe bass lines or leads or weird atmospheric Eurorack uh, stuff. But you still need the building blocks from the roll. So the Roland Jupiter X, what it does is it gives you like a system eight architecture for sound design, which it goes back to the Jupiter 8 sound design. And not only the Jupiter 8, but the 106 and the JSXT and the SH-101. But the SH-101 is fully polyphonic, which he never really had. Even the boutique was only four voices polyphonic. This is more than four voices. It's like eight or three stacked on top of each other. The Jupiters can be stacked on top of each other. The Juno could be mixed with a with an SH-101. The Juno could be mixed with with a RD piano. Now, if I'm, you're, you're somebody that's doing a show, you're writing songs, having an RD piano capability, which is to buy that separately would be very expensive. Uh, to have the Jupiter 8, that, that would cost money. To, to have a, a JXP3AT or, or Juno 106, that would cost money. So $1,500 for the for, for the Jupiter XM. If you're thinking about what's in the package, plus it's got the 808, the 909, the 727. And then it has this new thing, an artificial intelligence arpeggiator. So I would actually use this instead of the ADXI, connect it to the BSEP Pro to extend the sequencing, then bring it into my work with an MX1 sequence mixer. And I could bring this with with my Juno or Roland Axe Edge with my Eurorack, and it complements everything. So I think all the hate for companies that build tools that actually musicians use in, in actual real recording, it, it's kind of asinine. And, and it's like, you know, I understand that, yeah, you, you just want a Jupiter as of like 1984 Jupiter, like a, like like as is. But in today's world, you know, having an as is joke Jupiter, it didn't have many, you know, it didn't, you, you couldn't connect it to anything other than that. They had a tape recorder system, I guess, to record stuff. But, you know, that, if you want it exactly the way it is, you're kind of just reminiscing on it like old hardware and you want to get an old mode but would you really want uh, an old uh, model deal would you want the mode one I, I kind of would want the mode one uh, you know I would rather get the matriarch than look for an old 74 model D um, so or Voyager I mean I would go with the latest thing and then if you, if you look at the newest things going on, you know, the quantum is FGPA. It's not analog. You know, the, the, the UDO Super 6, that's analog. The Prophet X and XL, those, are, those aren't fully analog. Made of analog filters, but they're, they're, they're digital oscillators. You know, they, they, they kind of run down on digital oscillators, especially when nobody's even really heard the Jupiter X. And then also to say that it's not going to have good build quality, when, when it actually is a metal casing. So, you know, these Behringer fanboys, like, fine. That's a cool Behringer build in Odyssey, and that's cool. You can get an Odyssey, you can get an HH-101. 
But I'd rather have the Polyphonic SH-101 and the RD piano and all those other things in one package and not have to buy them all separately and carry, like, a, you know, it's fine you can have these, like, hardware sense that are old school and there's a, there's a place to have these, like, cheap versions of these things. Um, but, you know, having a Phantom or a, J, uh, or a Jupiter X or Jupiter XM, I'm telling you that those machines are not bad machines to record. It really depends on the musician. You, I took my Juno GI, and I, I, I've got all kinds of really high things that you wouldn't think it could do. Because I, you got to be creative in what what you have. It's like like Jack White can take a plastic guitar and make it. So you can take any instrument you have and you can make it what you want it to be based on how, how you play. So just having a pure analog synth doesn't mean you're going to be golden. You can take you could take a Juno and you could do a lot of awesome stuff with it if you just learn how to be creative with it. And just having the ability to have a lot of tones and capabilities in one box is is really, you know, innovative and interesting. And you got to look beyond the keys. I mean, JDXIs don't have a lot of keys. They have a tiny key. Well, what it can do when I link it to my Juno and I link it to the, 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 the Trigger Beat Step Pro, it's kind of like what it can do inside. Um, and it has the key so you could like work an idea out, like in a hotel room or on a bus. That's what it's for. And then then you could take it and extend it, and you could actually use it in a gig and, and use a bigger keyboard, like a bigger like uh, MIDI keyboard to run it. So, you know, I'm on my soapbox, but I'm kind of tired of, of people uh, just talking about Behringer, saying they're their best company ever. I mean, I, I would actually... I lean more toward make noise and profit and rolling and mode as the companies I, I lean toward in, in getting sense. And, and, you know, I'm not a, a retro guy. I love a Jupiter. I mean, I love to have an original Jupiter, but a replication of the Jupiter or a CS80, that's fine. If people want that. Um, but, you know, the kind of one trick ponies, if you get that, in a modern world, a lot of machines have a lot of depth. And then I would argue, like, if PC-based, uh, you know, systems, the soft sense, I, I don't really particularly like, because I like hardware sense. I like the ability to have a hardware sense or a, a Euro rack and hands-on. And I just don't, I just don't believe in that. It doesn't work for me. Work for other people, but you listen to the way the ghost sounds, uh, you can't really do what I'm doing on a software. So I don't sound like a lot of other people. And so you can look at the way I, I built my songs and it's really because I use the hardware set. And you know, a lot of people are starting to realize that's why Moog is, 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 is profitable now. And that's why profit is back. That's why make noise makes the things they do. That's why people buy Euros. Because there's something about having a hardware sense, whether it's FGTA or analog behavioral modeling or analog or digital or PCF or whatever, or sampling based. Having uh, knob for function, you see no innovation went to building a keyboard. Why did they do that? Because something about having a keyboard and all those controls that allows you to do stuff that you don't do when you're sitting on a dock. And the sound quality and the compression is not, you know, you can get the best utility you want, but I'd rather use a phantom. 
really. I mean, I'd rather use a Phantom to compose on or use my Zoom R24 with a bunch of hardware analog sensors recorded or a Tascam 24 or go back and even get an 8-track uh, Tascam tape machine and record uh, a mode bottle key onto that. Because uh, it's going to sound better. No matter what, the compression is not going to be there. You're going to get what it is. And I've worked with artists where they had a lot of problems trying to get what they heard when they were playing. And then once it rendered, it didn't sound like what they were working on. And uh, you don't run into that when you use a hardware sense and you directly record it into our R24 or Tascam or anything like that. It doesn't happen that way. It doesn't compress it. It doesn't ruin it. So I'm on my soapbox about that, and uh, hopefully you're not, you're not too pissed off at me. But, you know, if people have opinions, people have things. I'm a creative person. This is how I do my process. Other people do process. It's legitimate how you have to do it. But I don't think it's fair to uh, come down on Roland uh, when they created a lot of really good sense. And one last, last thing, if they, if they say they don't do analog, go look at um, SEO2, go look at the Sista 500. Those are analog, and they're really good. So um, I don't know, you know, maybe it costs too much money for you, and maybe that's the problem. If that's what the problem is, say that you just can't afford it. Um, but don't put down stuff that actually has value and could be used and recorded. And, uh, you know, it, 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 it's cool to jump on that and on the slam uh, uh, gate thing and just be a hater and hate everything Roland does until they just give you a 106 exactly the way it was done. Um, and maybe one day they'll do that for you. Um, but to me, uh, the, the Phantom and the Jupiter X M and X are something that I want in my studio. So I'll talk to you.